Welcome to the Mother Nurture Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrea Rosario, functional neurologist and doctor of chiropractic, specializing in functional medicine, caring for individuals and families with chronic conditions for over 15 years. Hi there, Andrea Rosario here, and today I want to discuss with you autoimmune disease. I want to talk to you about how prevalent it is, how it's currently treated in our standard medical care right now, what diseases you may know are associated with autoimmunity and which diseases you may not know are associated with autoimmunity. I want to talk to you about living with autoimmunity, both when you're in a flare, how to get out of a flare, and when you're in remission and nice and stable. And finally, I want to give you a few general tips if you are or suspect you are living with autoimmune disease. So let's get started. Okay, so one thing you should know is how incredibly common autoimmune disease is. One in 12 women suffer from autoimmune disease and one in 24 men suffer from autoimmune disease. Millions and millions of Americans. Currently in standard medical care, Autoimmunity isn't very well handled, to be honest with you. It's not for lack of intention on primary care physicians or specialists' part. It's just that there isn't a whole lot of medical education around autoimmunity and its management in regard to the immune system specifically. You may have rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease, and you go to a rheumatologist, but the rheumatologist may work on your target tissue, meaning the tissue that's being attacked, your joint tissue, help you with the pain, help you with inflammation in the area. And if you have a really bad autoimmune flare-up, an autoimmune attack, then what they may do is dampen your immune system with some sort of steroids or something of the sort, which is necessary in some cases, absolutely. But what most people, most specialists, most doctors are missing is balancing the immune system back out, finding the triggers, finding the causes of the autoimmune disease at its root cause, and addressing those. Because if you don't address the triggers and figure out exactly what is happening for that individual person, you're basically band-aiding whatever tissue is being attacked by the immune system itself. And so the same happens, I guess you could say, with Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid issue. It's an autoimmune thyroid attack where your immune system is confused and it's attacking your thyroid, thinking it's an invader or an imposter or something that needs to be killed. And in that circumstance, most of the time, people with Hashimoto's are only really getting the hormone that they're no longer able to produce because their thyroid has been attacked for so long and so strongly they're really not getting at the root cause of the autoimmune attack in the first place, balancing it out. So it is very, very important for a person to know if they have an autoimmune attack going on, as opposed to just general issues such as like, I have hypothyroidism. Well, 90% of people with hypothyroidism, it's actual an autoimmune thyroid problem. And if they're just getting the thyroid hormone replacement and they're not addressing the autoimmunity, you go around walking throughout your life with the triggers not addressed, your immune system imbalanced and confused and targeting your healthy tissue. And right now, 
you may have a thyroid issue, a thyroid attack going on, but you're kind of rolling the dice. If your immune system does not get addressed, then next time it may get confused and it will attack something that would be more life-threatening or more debilitating, such as your joint tissue for rheumatoid arthritis. That's an awful painful disease. Or worse, your myelin sheet that protects your nerves and you end up with nerve problems, which would be multiple sclerosis. That is a terrifying autoimmune disease. If you go about your life without addressing the autoimmunity itself and just band-aiding whatever tissue is currently getting attacked, you are waiting for that roll of the dice. 80, 85% of people who have one autoimmune disease in their life, by the time they're ready to exit this world, have actually collected two, three, four more, basically. So you don't want to go around collecting autoimmune disease. And that's why I wanted to bring this topic to you today. A lot of people know that some diseases are autoimmune in nature. Most of the time people know that lupus or multiple sclerosis, Hashimoto's, rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, and some of the inflammatory bowel diseases like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Those are all pretty well-known autoimmune diseases. But there are other diseases that are not as commonly known to be tied in with autoimmunity and the dysfunctional immune system. So that could be psoriasis, chronic fatigue syndrome, some cases of anxiety, some cases of OCD, interstitial cystitis, fibromyalgia, eczema, and yes, even autism. So there have been many studies that show that when a baby is in utero, if their mother has autoantibodies, which means antibodies to any of her own tissues, the child is much more likely to develop and become a child who struggles with autism. So there may even be some sort of neuroautoantibodies within the child itself while it's developing. And so this is, of course, all things that are developing in research, but there is definitely a correlation there. So we don't want to be ignoring that, obviously. These are all diseases that if you struggle with them, you may want to consider that you might be having some immune dysfunction that you need to address because you don't need to be rolling the dice and end up with something much more heinous in the future. Okay, so now I want to talk to you about life with autoimmunity when you're in a flare, when you're in remission and stable, both. So I get to be the bearer of bad news, Dr. Debbie Downer, right now. It may not be what you want to hear, but I'm telling the truth when I say, if you have autoimmune disease, it is incurable. You're always going to struggle with autoimmunity, although I will tell you, you can put it in remission and get it stable and live a very high quality life for years on end. So I shared in the last podcast about my own struggles with Hashimoto's where I had been diagnosed at eight years old with autoimmune thyroid issues. And I did share how it it had me struggling throughout my whole life, struggling with not being able to tell what learning disability I have when truly I was just, I had Hashi brain, which if any of you have Hashimoto's, you know what I'm talking about growing up because I really couldn't read, couldn't get to the end of the sentence without forgetting what the first part of the sentence was and said. 
I went through years of remission, got triggered again by stress in school and formaldehyde exposure in chiropractic college for three years and continued on with stress of starting my own practice and early motherhood. Then years of beautiful remission and then a flare that I'm still working my way out of after my third child, lots of stress and a really gnarly mold exposure in my house. So that was a real quick synopsis of what I went into more detail in when I talked about thyroid in the last episode. However, I wanted to bring it up again and do a real quick summary because I wanted you to see I've had years where I was struggling and I didn't know why. I was struggling and couldn't figure out how to fix it. I've had years where I was living a life I did not think I was ever capable of living with a brain that was just sharp as a tack and energy, my best self, right? And this is really what it looks like living with autoimmunity. It is never a nice, pretty arch on the rainbow to the pot of gold at the end. And I want to be really realistic with you guys. You know, I want you to hear what I'm saying so that you're not hard on yourself and you're not feeling hopeless when you are kind of in the pits of not knowing your way out of your current flare or your current struggles. Okay, so the goal with autoimmunity is to find your trigger and to get yourself into remission and get yourself stable. Whenever you have autoimmunity, there's always a genetic component combined with an environmental trigger. So what could those triggers be? They could be a pathogen, so like a virus, a bacteria, a parasite, or mold exposure that looks like whatever tissue is getting attacked to your immune system. So this is a topic called cross-reactivity. It's also called molecular mimicry, in case you've ever heard of it. So what happens is pathogens have their own protein structure. So do foods. So does your body tissues. And when the amino acids within that protein line up, a certain way and look like something else, your body will react to one thing and also simultaneously react to the other. So in some cases, like let's just take Epstein-Barr virus. Epstein-Barr virus has a protein structure that has an amino acid sequence that looks really, really close to your thyroid's protein structure's amino acid sequence. So when your body sees an active Epstein-Barr virus infection, you will have more of an attack on your thyroid, most likely, depending on what your immune system has tagged. But it's very likely that your immune system will see that Epstein-Barr virus carry around the little flag of amino acids and say, hey, if you see this amino acid sequence, I want you to kill it. It's an invader. We got to get rid of it. But then it looks at your thyroid and it has a similar amino acid sequence, so it attacks that as well. That is called cross-reactivity or molecular mimicry. There are several pathogens that do that. So pathogens can cause autoimmunity because of that molecular mimicry. It can also cause it because of what it does to your immune system and the imbalance that it creates. That is really common with mold exposure, but it's actually common with all pathogen exposures as well. So that can be one trigger, some sort of incognito infection or mold exposure that you don't know that you're struggling with. 
Another one can be, while we're on the topic of molecular mimicry, something in your diet. So I keep going back to thyroid because this is the most common autoimmune disease. That same molecular mimicry can happen with foods that you eat and your body tissues. So a very common one for your thyroid is gluten. Gluten's protein structure, amino acid sequence, looks very similar to your thyroid. Because of that, oftentimes if you have chunks of gluten getting out into your blood and your immune system sees it and says, this should not be here, it will perpetuate an attack on your thyroid. All of the autoimmune diseases have this, by the way. The target tissues have amino acid sequences that look like different pathogens and different foods. So the trick is finding out which ones are bothering you. So getting rid of gluten if you have Hashimoto's is usually a pretty good first step. But the trick is there are other foods that actually look like gluten as well. And so some of them might be, for some people, it's dairy. For some people, it's rice. For some people, it's corn. I'm going to tell you a fun story. And I'm probably going to tell this story again when we get to figuring out how you can tell which of the foods are triggering your autoimmunity or your symptoms in an upcoming episode. However, for the sake of completeness here, I will tell you that one of the wonderful things that I did to get myself feeling a lot better with my Hashimoto's is to get rid of gluten. And I was gluten-free for several years, but I still suffered from awful brain fog. I ended up doing a diet that took out corn as well as other actual foods that were cross-reactive with gluten. And when I did that, I felt like unbelievably good, like better than I had felt in my entire life by a lot. And that was amazing and awesome until I went to a friend's house and I say I accidentally got corned because they used simple syrup in some sort of recipe that I didn't know to ask if they had done. And so I started slurring my words like I had a stroke almost immediately. And then the next day I woke up and I still, it would take me like 30, 45 seconds to finish a sentence. I couldn't find the word, the very next word. And it was because I had gotten corn exposure and that massively inflamed my brain and caused an autoimmune type flare reaction within my brain. Scary, scary, scary stuff. Luckily, I have a medical arsenal in my house of supplements and I know exactly what to take. And once I calm the inflammation down in my brain, everything kind of settled down, which was great. But it was a lesson in cross-reactivity. All those years, I struggled with brain issues despite being gluten-free. And I felt better by a lot than I used to, but I wasn't feeling all the way better. It was because I still had cross-reactive foods that were causing me issues in my diet. Okay, so figuring out if you have pathogens that might be cross-reacting and causing the autoimmune flare is very important. That's a trigger. Figuring out if you have foods that are cross-reacting or causing immune system dysfunction, that is a trigger. Another one is barrier breakdown. So you have, a lot of people have heard of leaky gut, right? And that's your intestinal barrier. It is meant to line the inside of your intestines and keep big particles of food from exiting your intestines and going into your bloodstream before it's fully digested. Okay, if you have a broken intestinal barrier, 
then that chunk of banana may not get all the way broken down into its potassium and magnesium and vitamins and all that before it makes its way through that barrier, gets in your bloodstream. And then your immune system sees this chunk of banana and is like, what the heck is this? Like this big yellow chunk of mush, no idea what this is. It's an invader. And then all of a sudden, if you have any kind of tissue that has a similar protein structure, it can perpetuate the autoimmunity. Okay. So that can absolutely happen with a broken gut barrier. Now, if you have a broken blood brain barrier, you're going to have a broken gut barrier as well. A lot of the barrier systems break together. You can also have a broken lung barrier and a broken nasopharynx barrier. Those would be more along the lines of people who have very sensitive lungs where they spasmy coughs or always having to clear their throats, um, asthma, allergies, infections always dropping into their lungs. Blood brain barriers, symptoms usually are like brain fog and some memory issues and being stuck in fight or flight and trouble with motivation, depression, anxiety. Those are all signs of broken blood brain barriers. So you can have a barrier system that's broken and it can perpetuate your autoimmunity. That is one of the triggers as well. Chemicals and metals do not have protein structures. So when they go and implant, if you get chemical and metal exposure, which we all are exposed to all the time, it should be properly handled by your liver and detoxification processes. But if you get a huge dose of chemicals or metals, or if you're very susceptible to it, your immune system's dysfunctional, those chemicals and metals can go attach to your body tissue. And whatever tissue it attaches to, your immune system will see it and see the chemical or metal and know it's an invader and it'll grab it. And when it grabs it, it looks for its protein structure. The chemical or the metal doesn't have a protein structure, but what it does is it's latched onto the tissue that wherever it landed, right? And so your immune system gets that tissues protein structure. And that's another mechanism of autoimmune triggering. Going back through the list again, you guys, we have food, cross-reactivity, we have pathogens, we have barrier breakdown, we have chemicals and metals that don't have their own protein structure, but the immune system might grab the protein structure of the tissue that it planted on. We also have changes in your hormones that can cause dysfunction within your immune system. Postnatally, it's very, very common. After every one of my three kids, I had a gnarly autoimmune flare. It was just to be expected. So I really was very careful with all my lifestyle stuff afterwards to try my best to make it short-lived and as mild as possible. But a lot of people have their first like real big flare of autoimmunity after you have been pregnant, like usually around month three to four after you've had your baby. That's because of the changes in your immune system throughout the pregnancy and thereafter are very triggering. Same with going into menopause, a very common time to get triggered. So hormone changes as well. Also being stuck in fight or flight is very much a trigger for autoimmunity because it dysregulates your immune system. So if you think you might be stuck in fight or flight survival mode and feel like you're always jumpy, on edge, anxious, trouble sleeping, inflamed, brain fog, all those type of symptoms, I invite you to go to the Mother Nurture podcast episodes one through three 
they are all about fight or flight and you should definitely go check that out if you think that is a trigger for you as well. So in summary, we want to find the triggers. The most common ones are diet-based cross-reactivity. They could be pathogens, so bacteria, virus, parasites, or mold. They can be chemicals and metals, can be a broken barrier system. It could be hormone changes. It could be a dysfunctional autonomic nervous system, so like being stuck in fight or flight mode. Those are the most common ones and you have to find the trigger. Otherwise you're playing the band dating game. So what are we going to do as far as lifestyle is concerned for a person who is autoimmune for better or for worse? There's a gift in this curse. We are the canaries in the cold mine, right? So when things are not working for us, our stress level is too high. Our sleep is not right. Our diet's dysfunctional. Our relationships are dysfunctional. All of these things play a role in our autoimmunity. If they are not tended to, you will flare. Now, I will say if you're already in a flare, you have to be very mindful and extreme self-care in a way that most of us aren't comfortable doing, especially as women, a little bit martyrs in the world, right? We just, we sacrifice for everybody else and put ourselves last, and that's just the way it is, and that's just the way society is, and whatever. Well, we're not usually as comfortable taking care of ourselves in the way that you need to take care of yourself to get out of a flare. It's not just finding the trigger. That is extremely important. It is a very challenging thing to find, but once you find that, you also have to extreme self-care to get yourself into remission, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. So that means checking your stress level, your sleep, your food, your exercise, your relationships. I know for me, the biggest three that I struggle with are food, sleep, and stress. If all three of those go off track, I am going to be so deep in an autoimmune flare that it will take me years to get out of it. I mentioned that every time I had a baby, I had an autoimmune flare. I knew that my sleep was going to be messed up because I was nursing and there's only so much you can do about the sleep situation when you've got a newborn. So what did I do? Extreme care, extreme care of my food and my stress level. If you let all three slip, it goes away. Now, those are my three. I don't know what yours are, but that's something that is a discovery process that you need to figure out. Hopefully you have somebody who can help you with that, a functional medicine practitioner, some sort of coach or something that can help you. But those finding the trigger and getting your lifestyle stuff in order is very important. When you're in a flare, it takes extreme measures to get yourself out of it. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. It does. But once you get to remission and stability, it actually takes very little comparatively to actually maintain what you're doing. You do have to still take care of yourself forevermore because as I said, autoimmunity is incurable and you will, if you stop taking care of yourself, slide back into a flare and be miserable again and start rolling that immune system dice of which autoimmune condition am I going to collect next, right? You don't want to do that. However, the effort that it takes to stay in remission is insanely lower. Like it's, it feels pretty much like a normal 
human being with a little extra, we'll call a little extra high maintenance-ness, okay? So you might have to still watch your diet a little more than the average bear. But if you're careful and you know what your triggers are, especially what helps you get out of the autoimmune flare, what helps you stay out of it, and what your very first signals are that you are sliding back into a flare so that you could catch it early and you know exactly what to do, that is the secret sauce right there. So I wanted to just share my experience with autoimmunity. It's not just my experience. Almost everybody in my family is autoimmune. I mean, I was autoimmune through my first two pregnancies and I was in remission through my third one. And my third child is my first neurotypical child. My first two have some struggles there. My entire family <laughs> pretty much is autoimmune and most of my patients are autoimmune. So I know it like the back of my hand. And these are things that I wish someone would have told me because sometimes when you're struggling and you just don't know what next step to take, it would be really, really nice to just have a few tidbits of wisdom to know where to pay attention, where to look, what to care for. And that was my hope in doing this for you today. Now, Figuring out those triggers and those lifestyle things. That is your workload right now. Like I said, I hope you have help with it. I'm here to help in as many ways as I can. You know, hop on the Facebook group, hop on Instagram, check out my YouTube page, reach out to me because I want to be there for you as you discover what those factors are for yourself individually. But in the meantime, I want to leave you with a couple of tips that are general for all autoimmunity. Okay, so number one, balancing your immune system requires a few nutrients that can really help you along the way. Omega oils are amazing. DHA is great for your brain health. EPA is great for general overall inflammation. They both help with your immune system balance. Where you want DHA heavier in the formulation versus EPA heavier, that's up to you and what your own struggles are. However, omega oils definitely help. Glutathione helps. Not everybody can tolerate glutathione. Not all glutathione is created the same. Let me just definitely tell you that. There are some very inferior forms. However, if you're just looking at something that you can do in your day-to-day -day life to increase your glutathione production within your body, go grab yourself a cup of hibiscus tea. It's delicious. It's fruity. It's healthy. It's antioxidants, but it is glutathione producing. Go grab a hibiscus tea and pip pip cheerio. Okay. Also vitamin D and vitamin A are very important for balancing your immune system. Beware. You can definitely overdose in both of them. I don't rarely recommend that you hyperdose on either of them. Measuring both forms of vitamin D is very important and rarely done to make sure that you're not just hyperconverting because of a genetic issue or a bacterial issue. You need both forms of vitamin D tested. And if you're going to dose higher on vitamin A, you need a practitioner who knows what they're doing because you can definitely get vitamin A toxicity. Okay. So vitamin D and vitamin A in the right doses, low sodium, too high of salt intake definitely can trigger autoimmunity. 
you can balance it by taking some potassium with a very salty meal. But definitely, if you have a high salt intake, that is not helping your autoimmune case. And then finally, I'm going to say food coloring. Oh, food coloring. Food coloring basically makes it so that your enzymes in your gut cannot break down the protein structure of the food that you're eating. So let's just say you're eating a birthday cake with red dye and blue dye in it. The red and blue dye makes it so the enzymes cannot break down that protein structure. And especially if you have a leaky gut, then that cake ingredient, whether that be wheat or egg or milk, doesn't get broken down. And if it leaks through your gut into your bloodstream, your immune system sees it. It's like, what is this egg? All of a sudden you're sensitive to eggs. Eggs cause inflammation and can cause an autoimmune attack. Food coloring is not your friend. If you have autoimmunity in your family, for heaven's sake, please, please look for one of the food coloring alternatives. If you want to make your kids sugar cookie decorating experience, lovely, but not harmful. Okay, so again, we talked about the prevalence of autoimmune disease, how it's handled currently in traditional medical, some diseases that are commonly known and some that are uncommonly known to be tied in with autoimmunity. We talked about living with autoimmunity, both in a flare and in remission, including what triggers you may want to look for and what lifestyle changes and care you need to actually take into account. And finally, we ended with some general lifestyle tips for autoimmunity. I hope this helps you and reach out. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you'd like to learn more of. And I will be going more into figuring out which foods are problematic for you personally in an upcoming podcast. And I have more fun up my sleeve on the topic coming down the line. Alrighty, I will talk with you soon. I hope you have a great week. Take care and be well. Bye-bye.